Oh man, I'm liking this new sound. Welcome to season two of Homebrewing DIY, the show that takes on the do-it-yourself aspect of homebrewing, gadgets, contraptions, and parts. The show covers it all. On this week's show, we're talking to Lee Bussey and John Bueller of Keg Cop, their newest project. They've been on the show before. I'm excited to have them, but we're going to get them on the show and we're going to listen to the interview. But first, a word from our sponsor. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey, Homebrewing DIY listeners. I want to talk to you about one of the key pieces of equipment in your homebrewery, and that is your hydrometer. Now, through my fermentation, I actually use a digital hydrometer, but for an original gravity and a final gravity reading, I always use the old school glass hydrometer. Why? Because I want to know that it's right and I want to know that it's accurate. And that's important to me. I think that it's important to have good numbers, especially when you're trying to track down a problem. That said, I only use Brewing Hydrometer, Brewing America hydrometers. And the reason I only use Brewing America hydrometers is because they're the top quality out there. Easy to read, perfectly calibrated. These are the best quality made in America, hand-blown hydrometers. So, Head on over to brewingamerica.com. Let them know that Homebrewing DIY sent you. And if you use the discount code 15% off, they'll give you 15% off. So why not give it a whirl? Head on over to brewingamerica.com. I'd like to welcome Lee Bussey and John Beeler to the show. You might have heard previous episodes with both of them separately. John Beeler is the writer of Ferment and various other projects like Tilt Bridge. I think that's another cool little project he's done. You might know Lee Bussey. He's done a couple shows with us where he's talked about brew bubbles and he also is maintaining the current Arduino version of Brew Pie through Brew Pie, brew pie meat Remix. And I now have them both on the show because these guys are good friends. And we're going to talk about a new project that they've worked on together. And we're going to talk about keg cops. So I'd love to, let's start with maybe, let's actually not talk about that. Let's talk about what you guys have been brewing. Lee, what, what have you been brewing lately? Oh, wow. It starts with me. All right. So most recently, I did a batch of Skeeter Pea. That's a summertime classic for us. We just had a, a group picnic. And uh, it's about 50-50. 50% of the people have had it before, and they know that when they're in uh, 95 to 100 degree weather, 
not to drink it as if they're thirsty. And then they, in turn, get to enjoy watching the other half who are not quite so well-versed in the ways of Skeeter P. They turn into a thing called a rock lobster. They start listening to music, pounding down Skeeter P, and before long, they pass out in an awkward position on the lawn somewhere, and then <laughs> off, and they turn bright red. Pretty enjoyable, and we like doing that every year to the new folks. I gotta admit that can will and has happened to me so i will <laughs> other than that a few wines and some meads but i haven't done any beer i'm waiting for a little bit cooler weather one thing if you are interested in uh lee's skeeter pea recipe we actually have it on homebrewingdiy.com if you go back and check the show notes from our original show with lee where we talked about brew pie remix he actually gave me that recipe, and you could download it in Beer XML. So if you want to make a bunch of rock lobsters yourself, you can do it on our website. And then we're going gonna... to be fair. That's uh, my version of it. So the, the original SkeeterP.com is out there, and that's where I got the idea for it. Yeah, SkeeterP.com is a thing as well. And SkeeterP is like a it's like a lemony kind of fermented beverage, it's, it, and it does taste good, and it's easy drinking, but it's a little high octane. It's good stuff. And then we got. And then we got John Beeler on the show. And what have you been brewing lately? So it's interesting. During the pandemic, we've actually, so normally I, I live in New York City, and we've actually quite a bit of time in Virginia. And there's a brewery that's down here, Blue Mountain Brewery. They have a, a classic lager. It's a pre-prohibition lager. It's absolutely delicious. <clears throat> the guy who own, runs the brewery is fantastic. Sent him an email, just said, hey, listen, I'm a home brewer. I'd really like to brew this, um, but I live in, in, and really like to drink it, but I live in New York. You guys don't distribute in New York. Can I have the recipe? And he was incredibly kind, provided the recipe last week, ordered all the materials for it, sat down, got like we were back in New York for a week, decided, okay, I'm going to go ahead and brew this. And midway through the brew, right before the boil, the heater on my all-in-one brewing appliance crapped out. And so all of a sudden I end up where I am stuck with five gallons of pre-boil wort with nothing that I can do with it. So um in the market for a new one of those, once I get it, I'm going to try and, and and brew that recipe again, and then we'll have a, a nice lager here later in the later in the year. So we'll see. That's that, that's awesome. I'm actually just finishing a pseudo lager that I made earlier this year. And randomly, I actually have a commercial keg on tap, which I never have. So I, I in my kegerator, I have a ball lock keg, I have a pin lock keg, and I have a Sankey keg all going at the same time out of one system. So a funny oh, wow. little thing. Dogs yeah. and cats living together. Yeah, it is like dogs and cats <laughs> living together. So I, let, let's talk about keg cop. I, this is your guys' new project. This is a tandem project, so we've split it up in two ways. What, let's talk. Let's start there. Let's talk about how you guys divided and conquered to come up with this new cool serving software. Sure. We we started talking about different ways to take over the world, and we decided that was far too much work. Rather than do that, we decided we take over a little corner of the homebrew community. And, and there's a lot of products out there that do some really awesome things, and part of what makes this open source so great is that you'll do something and then somebody else will pick up the ball and run even further and it's this you know self-licking ice cream cone it keeps going as we've got raspberry pints out there and part of raspberry pints is that arduino that sits there and counts pulses one of the things that i like to do i like to make sure that things can be leveraged in a few different ways so avoiding the unitasker i want to make sure that uh, the reporting that it does 
can go to multiple platforms, which is part of where John comes in. And then it'll also perform more than one function. So we've got this incredibly capable processor there. Let's have it do a few other things. So we can report to two or three or four different platforms. We can control the temperature. We can report on the temperature. And we can even provide a little bit of a, a rudimentary display for somebody who does not want the major tap list. So I've taken it a bit further and made sure that we could use a communication method other than a USB cable, because we have Wi-Fi in most of these controllers, allow some agnostic platform use, and create a start to finish solution that just about anybody can follow. A lot of these projects start out with, hey, I did this, and they show you a picture of a bailing wire and bubblegum project, and they infer that you too can do this. <laughs> but I don't have that bailing wire, and I don't have that bubblegum. So the end goal is a, is a part of a system of systems that anybody can build and could be a fully functioning, self-sustaining, self-boxed-up project to, to be able to turn on and amaze your friends. Yeah, and I, th I think that's probably one of the neatest things about KegCop is the fact that unlike some of the other systems that are out there, it, it is designed to be both a standalone uh, product on its own as well as part of an integrated system. So it's the kind of thing where you can get all the functionality out of the box. You can build it, you can run it, you can track your kegs and see what's going on with them. And then once you're ready to move on to something that's that's bigger or plug that data into something else, you have the capability of doing so. So it's just, it is really good at, at that having that expandability and, and being something that uh, isn't just a single part that stands on its own and that's it. Yeah, and just to clarify, like Keg Cop is a kind of all-in-one kind of keg management system. You're gonna have you're gonna be able to have a digital tap list if you want. You also can track like the pour levels of your kegs through Keg Cop as well. So, for example, you start with a five-gallon keg, and I pour a few pints off. It's I can go to Keg Cop, and it's gonna tell me how many how many how much beer I have left. So it's gonna have some sort of information to tell me that. So very similar to the old school. Raspberry Pints project, which I, I I will admit that the Raspberry Pi project and uh, Raspberry Pints project, and I've actually had feedback from the guy who originally wrote Raspberry Pints randomly. He sent me an email one day, and he obviously hasn't touched that project in years, and he even admitted as much. So it, it's one of those projects that, like, yeah, the guy who originally did it abandoned it. And a few people have tried to pick up. I know Lee's pretty active in, in some of those forums and as, as well as you, John. But in the end, it never really got the upgrades it needed. To me, I, I even to this day, I know that there are definitely workarounds, but it's, it's a system that worked better on Wheezy than anything else. And there are multiple versions of the Raspberry Pi software since. But let's talk about if we look at the old Raspberry Pints version, and you talked about a few things there where you said, hey, Raspberry Pints did this and we allow this to not just have a USB cable. It's got the ability to do multiple things. It can be part of a platform. It can be a standalone system. But when it comes down to it, what would you say is like the biggest differentiator between that older version of this kind of keg management system and this newer version and a newer approach to it? Biggest differentiator is that, and by the way, KegCop does support Raspberry Pints. So if somebody has that investment, it will absolutely report up to there. But I think the biggest, the, probably the two biggest differentiators are that there is no 
operating system, at least not that's accessible to the end user. When they patch their Raspberry Pi or when the SD card finally goes bad and they replace it, they're not left with 10-year-old software that will no longer run on a contemporary operating system. This is a microcontroller that has embedded code and it's intended to just work. So in the same way that in the BrewPy or Fermentrack world where you have that controller, it's that sacrosanct box in the corner that will run no matter what, this will continue to run and be functional somewhat. We keep on teasing the somewhat part, right? Yes, it does track your beers. It tells you you've got eight or nine things on tap. It tells you that your keg is 50% tapped, that you have so many ounces left. And it provides a real nice interface for the user to be able to wet their whistle a little bit just to get into that world if they're coming in cold. Now I've built this controller. Now I have a functioning, I'm going to call it a pseudo tap list because it's nowhere near as pretty as some of the other offerings out there. But it is a screen with a bar going across. It's a reasonable facsimile of the color of beer. And right away by looking at it, how much beer you have left. That plus no cords. We cut the cords. Of course, you still have a power cord. You don't have to have that Raspberry Pi hanging off the back of your, your kegerator anymore. Yeah. And, and so is this using underlying technology wise? Is this using Arduinos? Is this using ESP8266? What is that microcontroller you're using? It uses the ESP32, which is the, the newcomer in that world, at least in the Espressive world. No matter what, I think the ESP8266 is probably not going away. Lowland is the company that puts it out, and they would probably like for it to go away, but it's not going to. So many people have it embedded in their systems. But it is quite a bit more capable. It's got more memory. It's got a dual processor. It's got Wi-Fi on board, as does the 8266. It also has onboard Bluetooth, which I'm not using in this project, but John leveraged it in his Tilt Bridge project. So it's a very common platform. It's available everywhere. I checked earlier, and it's $6.50 before shipping from AliExpress, which is where Lowland has their store. That is their storefront. Compared to an Arduino, now, if you buy a real Arduino Uno, right now it's $23. $11, $12 for a clone from Amazon. So this is a, a much more capable system, again, with that embedded Wi-Fi at a lower price point to start with. Yeah, and in... That, that obviously, as you guys improve, it could move into Bluetooth and, and using that functionality as well. It, it's, I, I don't know, the ESP32 is such a capable controller. And the cool thing with microcontrollers, this is my favorite thing with them, is they're rock solid. Unlike when you talk about, like, for example, a lot of people tried to take RuPi or even Fermentrack. I don't think they ever did, but they tried to take it and have it just hosted 100% on the Raspberry Pi. And I can't tell you how many SD cards have gone bad for me over the years. It's just the SD card technology is just touchy like that. And so for me, it, it's something where I've never had an Arduino go bad. I've never had an ESP8266 go bad. I've had them when I've tried to program them. They were already bad if you've got really cheap Chinese ones. But I've never had one go bad if it was a working model. And they're just rock solid because they just run their thing and that's all they do. They don't have hard, they don't have an operating system to fail. They don't have any other memory other than the solid state memory they come with. And they're just really, really reliable. How does Cat Cop think? Like in the brains, how does it actually like process 
the information of how does it think? Well, ultimately, uh, there was a very good model out there in Raspberry Pints. You are counting pulses. So the flow meters, all they do is they trigger on or off as a wheel or it's some of them are infrared sensors, but they count pulses. 20,000, I think, per gallon for the top of the line Swiss flow and maybe a couple of thousand for the less top of the line ones that you get directly from AliExpress when you're ordering your controller. So the better ones will have a finer granularity, much more precise, but they're just counting bits. It's just like flipping a switch off. And as a matter of fact, when I was when I was developing this, I did a demo board just to have some rudimentary functionality that I could trigger from my recliner. And there it is right there. Yeah. Trigger from my recliner and, and not have to walk out to the kegerator. And it was just a, a push button that I would hit a bunch of times like a telegraph. So it counts pulses. It does math. It says you've pulsed this many times, you have poured this much beer. It's actually very basic. It displays the remaining. And then it allows you to do some other things that you don't have to do, thankfully, very often. Do the calibration. And we've tried to make that simpler. Uh, there's often questions about people. Hey, I, I poured this much beer and it says that my keg is half empty, but I poured 12 ounces. And then you have to walk somebody through how to calibrate for their particular flow meter. And if you have to say it more than three or four times, you probably could have programmed it by that time. So another portion of Keg Cop allows you to say, all right, pour beer now, pour your beer. Hopefully you follow that direction. If you can't follow that direction, by the way, this is probably the wrong project. You tell it when, you tell it when you're done pouring your beer, and then it tells you to weigh it. And if you're a home brewer and don't have a scale, please go buy a scale. And you just type in how much it weighed, and it does all that calculation for you. One time, done. That's awesome. And, and I'd love to talk about how you guys conquer and divided to get this, right? John, what part did you do on the project? And then Lee, what part did you do on the project? So it's interesting, actually. The overwhelming majority of, of Keg Cop was at Lee's design and Lee's build. So all of the hardware that's associated with it, he was working on. I helped out when I could just to as a sounding board and, and to provide some guidance and support where I might know an answer that he might not. But one of the things that's interesting is Keg Cop is designed to be part of a broader ecosystem. And so one of the things that we're working on is building out a replacement for the Raspberry Pints tapless system. And so that really is the piece of the project that I've mostly been focused on. That that piece is separate from KegCop. It can be built on its own. Uh, KegCop can also be built without having built that system, but they are designed for to support each other, to go hand in hand with each other. And so that system really is is designed with KegCop in mind and vice versa. It's two different parts of a broader goal to tap management and keg management, just that much easier, both for, for home brewers and anyone that wants to see what they have on tap. And then what parts did, you know, so obviously John is working and probably actively working on this digital tap list product, which is probably going to have a more modern look. Is that kind of the idea you're going after? Yeah. So the product that we're working on, it's called Keg Screen. And the thing about Keg Screen is Keg Screen is an alternative to Raspberry Pints. 
It's a keg and tapless management tool. And the real goal of it is for a home brewer, you, you want to be able to show your friends what you have on tap, how much of each is each keg that you have is left, and what it is that's being tapped next all in style. The goal really is, is to have something that you can point to, you can show off, but that also then helps, okay, I'm, I'm getting to the end of this keg, maybe it's time to go and brew the next one. The goal for Keg Screen really is to integrate with as much uh, hardware as possible and as much software as possible, but it really is designed with KegCop in mind. It's The idea is that KegCop provides a foundational platform upon which you can leverage it for temperature control, you can leverage it for managing individual kegs, for tracking keg levels. Keg Screen integrates with all. Keg Screen will also integrate with other flow sensors and other products. Another product that's related to KegCop that we built is Keg Cadet, which is designed if you already have a Arduino-based system, but you want to integrate it into, into Keg Screen. You can use that Arduino with the Keg Cadet firmware, which is an offshoot of KegCop, until you're ready to upgrade your hardware to KegCop. And one of the key things that, that I think you you had actually hit on is Raspberry Pints. There, there's a number of people that are working on the project. It is receiving a lot of upgrades and a lot of facelifts as a result of, of what the community is doing, but it, it, it's a hard project to sustain and it's hard to maintain. And one of the things that Keg Screen has is it follows more modern design practices. It's built on more modern um, software and more modern libraries. And it comes with 100% test coverage right out of the bat. If you are know anything about technology, you know what I mean by that. But what that means is as things change and as new features get built in and new software upgrades come down the pipe, it every single function that's in Keg Screen can be tested in about 45 seconds by running an automated command that will go through and make sure that everything continues to work the way that it's intended to. So the idea is that as it grows and, and expands will be something that will be able to last. Now, Keg Screen is not released yet. There is, I, I was joking with somebody the other day, and I think he put it best. It's, you get something 80% written and that's the easy part. And the hard part is the second 80%. And uh, that's what, uh, what we're at right now is finishing out that second 80%. But uh, if you're interested in it, kegscreen.com, go sign up. Uh, anyone that signs up there, it's basically a link to a MailChimp uh, a list. But we're going to be sending out instructions for anyone that's interested in how to download the alpha once that becomes available, hopefully here in the next few months. So Please do. I chuckle every time somebody signs up for that because I know how much pressure it puts on John. Um. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we've got it. We have a Slack channel that uh, every time somebody signs up, it posts a message in the Slack channel. But yeah, it's terrible for me it makes me look really bad that it hasn't been hasn't been released yet so it's coming soon yeah, I, lo I love that you guys are doing this project in slack it's it's like legit software being built it's awesome <laughs> and we've got help too sometimes it's a shoulder cry on sometimes it's bouncing ideas off people but we've got donnie jorgensen gromit dj on homebrew talk he's been great he helps us with a lot of the graphics and and the 3d modeling and derek helps out to uncle d on uh, Humbert also released uh, Flight, another developer there. We pulled him in and, and trying to make him one of us. He's not one of us yet. He's in California, but he's close. And then basically, let's talk about the parts to build a keg cop. So uh, if I'm going to build a keg cop and I obviously there's some hardware involved. We talked about the SP32, but and, and obviously a power source. But what what would what parts do I actually need to put one together and how hard is it? Good question. As John said, if you have Raspberry Pints right now to enter the ecosystem, you flash Keg Cadet on your Uno and then you're done. Your, your toe is in the water. 
if you have all those flow meters and the wiring and everything already, then really what you need is just that ESP32. And you can wire it into the controller, all the, the flow meters you already have. But there is, I have provided the files for the PC boards, the printed circuit boards. There are small handful of resistors that, that anybody doing any of these projects is going to have about 8,000 of because it costs 16 cents for $5 shipping. Uh, a couple of capacitors, some terminal connectors, at least one flow meter if you don't have any yet. But you can use it without a flow meter, but it's a little bit weird to have that sort of flow meter system without a flow meter. And then optionally, you can have the temperature sensors mentioned that it will control the, the temperature of your kegerator or keyser. And then if you're doing that, a relay in the same relay that you would have if you were doing brew pie. All told, I, I added this up this morning. Given the economics of buying from China, you're going to end up with a few extra parts in all this, but it came up to $42 buying three cheap flow meters, some printed circuit boards from a Chinese shipper, uh, the controllers, all your passives, and, and a 10-pack of Ethernet cables. I decided to use Ethernet cables in between the components of this system rather than have people come up with some kind of mickey mouse connection the xr connectors are very popular but they're also very expensive that ethernet cable is something everybody knows everybody who owns a computer pretty much everybody listening to us right now they're going to have a couple of those laying around and it makes a real nice form factor to be able to route your wiring and pinning one down is like st stupid easy they're it's it's easy to find and if you're going to have to terminate your own wiring for maybe a connector or something like that. It's just easy to do if you use that form factor. Yeah, it is. But I do use those RJ45s on both ends. So yeah. none of that's required. Just plug it in. Even better. <laughs> and then as far as tools, do I need a... I, do I have to solder? I have to solder. You do have to solder. So that, that ESP32, the 8266 before it, they ship without those familiar headers that the Uno has. So you can't, you really use a breadboard for it. So you're very, at the very least, going to have to solder those pins on it. That, however, is about the skill level that's required. If you can solder those headers on there, you can do the rest. I think there is 13 resistors, 14 resistors. They're all the same. So you can't screw that up. They go either way. So you can't get them in backwards two capacitors, and then all of those connectors I was talking about, those RJ45 connectors to solder. It, it's really very simple, but you're going to need a soldering iron. You're going to need wire cutters, strippers, crimpers, always handy, normal hand tools, and a plan, really. If you come into this without a plan and just start buying stuff, you're probably going to have a big box of stuff and not really get to where you want to go. But if you just take a second, and, and this shouldn't be alien to folks who have kegerators and keysers, because I see these diagrams people draw for years before they ever put oh, their yeah. data together. So I know these folks can plan. Just do a quick plan, and that way you'll know exactly what you need. Yeah. What else do you think, John? Um, <clears throat> so I think that the plan is the critical part, right? It's one of the things with KegCop in particular is the fact that it was designed to support a number of different setups that you might have and it, it really is designed for your situation and your kegerator your keyser and you know, there's a number of different ways that you can build the system i recently pulled one together i videoed the entire process because i wanted just to, to document how easy it was to build for me the setup that i was targeting was very simple one tap one flow sensor one controller 
Um, and it took me, including actually going through and videoing everything, uh, 35 minutes from start to finish. Now, there is a lot of point soldering, but again, very simple. It's, it's not uh, surface mount components. So it's the kind of thing that if you buy a soldering iron, you, you, without even looking at any kind of tutorials on YouTube or anything, you could probably figure out exactly what you need to do. Very simple. I, I, I would say my soldering skills are not great at all. And if, if I can do it, anyone can do it. It is a great project, something that if you're interested in this, it is, is a good project for beginners. Um, and it really is designed as something that is approachable and, and can be implemented over the course of an afternoon. You guys talked about other projects that this interfaces with, and, and you even mentioned, hey, you can get this to work with Raspberry Pints if you want. But raw reality, what other projects have you seen out there or have you intended that this could work with specifically KegCop? What other projects does it interface with? It right now has uh, support for a generic HTTP endpoint in that it will send, and, and folks who are interested in this part will know what I'm talking about, it'll send JSON to just about anything uh, to be parsed out and used anywhere. It'll use MQTT, which means that it can participate in home automation. Now, I do want to do a little bit of specific work with Home Assistant, but it should be able to do just about anything with a little bit of work. And the thing about those projects is once you start doing them, you start learning how to roll your own. So that was the base functionality I wanted to have is I wanted to have chunk of data sent to box and then let people do with it what they will. But another thing I'd really like to do, I've been talking to Mikey from Taplist.io, and that is the very next purpose-built integration I want to get into there is to be able to use Taplist.io as well. Yeah, it would basically be he gives you an API, you could write to that API, send a .json payload to it, and boom, it would start to show up in there. Would right. that essentially be what that workflow would look like? It is, yeah. Much quicker to say than write it out, it turns out. Yeah, yeah, totally. His API is awesome, but yeah, me getting it there is the slower part. Yeah, yeah. That, like I said, I'm saying it's easy. It's not that easy. But then you guys talked about specifically a beginner could do this, right? It's not, and we, the list of parts you gave me, I love that it's like a couple of capacitors, some resistors that are all the same ones that don't have directions that they have to do. It's all through whole components. You're not having a bunch of uh, surface mount stuff. Just if you've never soldered anything, you're listening to the show, surface mount stuff is super hard to solder, especially with just a, a basic soldering iron. I personally use flux and in the, the air gun. That's how I do surface mount stuff. But I'd love to hear about maybe some common issues you've run into with, with keg cop already. I'm sure people have built some. And so what are some of the common issues you out there? I think that so far uh, it's been documentation misses. Honestly, I've been working on this for so long. I left the copyright in there 2019 to 2021. So we actually did start talking about this project in 2019 COVID hit the world went crazy and scope creep also happened. But along the line there, I tried to create documentation as I went and I clearly had some misses. So there's a few folks. Now this was just released, what, a month and a half ago, two months ago, something like that. And anytime you have a project like this, you've got to source your circuit boards, for instance. So that's a round trip to China and you're buying parts, your other parts from China. So it does take a while to catch hold. So of the people that are working on it right now, I missed telling them some simple things. So we're updating the documentation and John's done it most recently. So he's probably got some others. 
Yeah, I was going to say, I think the only thing I noticed was, is I think that the one component you had missed was the the actual ESP32. So, you know, not a critical component in the build, clearly. But uh, <laughs> no, I think the key thing really is just, it, it really comes down to just planning your build in advance. It's if, if you figure out what your layout is, how you want everything wired up and, and which components you need, it'll save you a couple of round trips from China on the slow boat. And if you can do that, then that's the key to success, I think, with this project. Yeah, the good news is those round trips on the boat to China, the only thing that you're probably absolutely positively going to have to buy from China is those printed circuit boards. But even then, I use Oshpark for a lot. I don't get any money for saying their name, of course, but I use them for a lot of my prototypes just because they're so much quicker. So if a person wants to spend $25 instead of $2.50, they can get them in two to three weeks instead of two to three months. So the rest of it, you can buy it all on Amazon. You do pay a premium for it, but even then a premium for uh, resistors, negligible, right? Yep, it's, exactly. It's, yeah, it's not a, a ton of money. Take your build yeah. from 40 or 50 bucks to probably 80 bucks would be the equivalent. Probably doubles. Well, I was going to say, I just ordered all the parts off Mouser. I'll have to see if I can look up the, the cost, but it's one of those things where I think the only problem with ordering parts from Mouser is that if you order resistors, I want to say it's 16 cents a piece if you order them one at a time, or if you order 100, I think it's two cents a piece thereabouts. And so it's just very interesting how their volume breaks work out. So I think the real risk that you run is you end up with 100 resistors like I did, rather than just the, the 14 that you need. So. Which makes the next project very easy, because I'm sure yeah. we both have so many parts laying around. Actually, John was cleaning off his desk when he was still in New York, and... Uh, <laughs> He sent me a box of stuff that he no longer needed. So instead of packing, I got half-finished projects and that sort of thing. So we all I have, have parts. I have, a, I have a box like that, too. It's like half-finished product projects that are like even half-soldered and not done. I, I'm full of those. It's a sad oh, well, you're, you're about to be full of a couple more once I get back to New York. I need to clean my desk off again. Don't worry. <laughs> Make sure we send you a box full of random parts for projects that were never finished and probably never will be. Uh, Eh, you never know. Maybe I'll finish one. Uh, and, <laughs> and then we got... I, I, you guys both support multiple projects. Lee's got a couple projects going on. I know, John, you've got a couple of projects. I, I think you actually have... I know you do Ferment Track. I know you do Tilt Bridge. But you also even do a small project that's like a, a brew pie flasher. Or it's a flasher mm -hmm. for uh esp boards uh, specifically for mac because you're a mac guy i'm a mac guy i actually use that software um I, so believe how believe it or not I, I have a version for windows as well i haven't actually <laughs> used it to flash anything but i've been told by people that it works great awesome. yeah, so brew flasher was actually something it, it was born out of some frustration that lee and i both had with regards to some of the projects that we were working on and we wanted a way that we could make it so that it was easy for people that were trying to build their own um Tilt Bridge, build their own BrewPy ESP8266, build brew bubbles, and they need a way to quickly get that firmware onto that board. What Brew Flasher does is it provides you with an interface that will automatically knows what the various brewing projects are that are out there, and it will allow you to select the project that you want, download the latest firmware, and flash it to your board without having to go through the steps of downloading files, knowing which files are which, selecting what the flash address is. It handles all of that for you automatically from within a self-contained, very easy to use app. It's completely free. The projects that are in it are curated. So you're not going to end up with some random firmware that you shouldn't be using. And what I would say is, is if you're interested in flashing something, what were you saying? Sorry. 
lot of my firmware is stuff people shouldn't use. So to, to be fair, it's curated by me and John and one or two other people right now. So it's possible that I do upload crap. That's all. <laughs> Welcome to open source. Stay, but <laughs> stay, stay away from the beta versions. That's basically what it comes down yeah. to. I, what, what I would say though is if you're somebody that has a project that you want to maintain, then definitely reach out if you want to get it into, into Brew Flasher. If you're somebody that wants to flash something, then take a look at the software. It might be what's right for you. Yeah, and to me, it's like the Brew Flasher software, I will tell you, I'm a Mac guy, and it was the biggest pain in the butt to flash DSP uh, uh, 32, 8266. Even Arduino, at least I could get the Arduino software, but then I had to like, basically, it, it was still even a pain to get some stuff in there. And I don't run a Windows emulation because they're obviously worth every time I would get the instructions, it was like, here, load up Windows. And I'm like, Bleh. and then even with Linux, it's also a little you, you got a command line. There was a little bit more to being able to flash. And so I, I remember when you launched Brew Flasher and I was like, <laughs> I was very happy about that. So obviously somebody else felt my pain. But managing that plus this is that, a, you know, how much work is this, guys? I know that like we talk about open source projects. In all reality, we all have day jobs. I have a day job and I do a podcast. You guys have a day job. You guys are maintaining these open source projects. You know, these are hobbies within the hobby. How much time are you putting into this? What, what's that? How's that work-life balance going with uh, these projects and also living your lives? I get my commute time back, of course, now since I'm working from home. But it's not insignificant. Speaking for me, anyway, this is something I, I love doing. I always find a way to dig myself deep into a rabbit hole, no matter what I'm doing. So as, as we're prepping for this thing, I was listing what we've got. So, you know, brew pie is what started John and I both out down this path. So I'm working on Remix. He's got Fermentrack. He's got brew pie, ESP8266, brew flash or tilt bridge. I've got brew bubbles, now keg cop. I'll bet. Hey, 20 hours a week, probably through with all the projects I've got going on, the electronics projects, and then there's the other stuff. But yeah, it takes me a little bit of time. Love it. I love doing all of it. Yeah, yeah I was, I, I'd, I'd say probably about 20 hours a week sounds about right. It's the thing that I would say is for me, it's beer almost more than I like drinking beer. And I like working on brewing projects almost more than I like brewing. And it's even before I, I, graduated from one gallon brew kits that you'd buy from from bed bath and beyond to actual all grain mash bills on a stovetop you know i was trying to figure out okay can i design a temperature controller that i can use with a crock pot to implement a rudimentary pit algorithm that will allow me to hold my mash temperature at, at a specific temperature and it was that those kinds of projects were always the thing that appealed and it is a hobby unto itself and it's an enjoyable one. And it's always nice when be it brew pie remix and the uh, number of people that have, have really latched onto that, be it, you know, people that have reached out with regards to tilt bridge who found it as a good solution for issues that they have. It's always rewarding when you have a project like that, that you can get out there, people go out, they find use for and, and, and really enjoy. It is rewarding in its own to be sure. I'd love to talk about how, if I'm interested in this, you guys always build a website for your projects. I love that as well. You don't just roll. Don't get me wrong. Your support forums always homebrew talk, but the point is that uh, where do I find keg cop? Where do I find your other projects? Yeah. Oddly enough, maybe not oddly enough. We start 
trying to name these things by trying to figure out what domain names are left available. <laughs> I think I've got close to 30 domains registered right now because I changed my mind. That's a problem my wife doesn't know about, so hopefully she doesn't hear me. But kegcop.com is a place to start with this. And kegscreen.com is a place to go and uh, learn a little bit more about keg screen and sign up for that thing that's going to ding every time somebody signs up and tell john that he's not moving fast enough mm. i feel called out what can i say slightly i i, slightly. I you know i like the tension here it's good stuff and then <laughs> just so you guys all know if you're listening we're on a video call and they're very much smiling at each other it's great what kind of future stuff are you guys going to work on like obviously we got keg screen and keg cop that are eventually going to work together but what is the overall like what is the overall vision here feature wise for me i think this is fairly close i want to tighten up the api so to allow other people to extend this as they and i do want to integrate the tap list ios functionality so people can use that if their choice is to use a cloud-based tap list then i want that to be the way they go if their choice is to keep that data in-house and obviously keg screen is going to be the way to go for that so for me and this is why the copyright started at 2019 and I released in 2021. It's pretty close to where I want it. Yeah, I, I think keg screen in my head, keg screen is one of those things that's probably never going to be 100% complete for better or worse. The, the idea with keg screen is you have a platform that you can build upon it. And I think interestingly enough, keg screen actually and, and keg cop weren't actually the original project that we were discussing. There, there's an entirely separate project. That, that we've been talking about that we want to implement that's going to come after keg screen and keg cop are, are, are built where keg screen and keg cop were, were parts of that so there is definitely more to come i think that the goal really is to try and build out support for as many things as possible get it so that it's out there and get it so that hopefully anybody that's interested in the open source community and taking some of these projects and helping to both build what it is that they want and then contribute back will have the capability to have a platform to then go and build the features that they want to see on top of. The goal really is to get to that that end state where it's something that anybody that wants to can pick up and run with. You guys working on any new projects other than Keg Cop? Yeah, yeah. Oddly enough, and this came out of my homebrew passion, I started beekeeping, or I started learning about beekeeping anyway, from a, a program called Heroes to Hives that's made available for veterans. And it's run out of Michigan State University. So if anybody's listening, that is an awesome program. If anyone wants to throw a couple bucks at the program, there's about 8,000 veterans right now taking those classes all free to them. It's really cool. But as these things happen, and this is how John and I got roped into this thing together, an idea comes out of it. And I was talking to a beekeeper across the state and he said, what do you like to do? I like brewing beer, blah, blah, blah. And then I said, and then we have these side projects. As soon as I said controller, he bit. He said, what kind of control? I said, temperature. And he said, tell me more. So we talked about that. And uh, part of what they're trying to do is find a way. Everyone hears about this colony collapse disorder. And it's due to a number of things. But one of the things they want to do is control these mites. And they're trying to do it without chemicals. So it comes into temperature. And temperature control is, we've said it about 80 bajillion times in this podcast already. We've started with temperature control and we throw it into everything we're doing as a freebie. So being able to do yet another project for temperature control is not so bad. So I'm working on something right now. I'm calling Bee Snuggler. These beekeepers 
can put some heat on the bees in the wintertime to counter the winter we just had where it was just bitterly cold. And then also do those heat treatments in the summertime to cut down on the bad stuff. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and cool that you're in the meantime helping support a, a really great project like that. And since you plugged for a charity donation, I'll make sure I put a link in the show notes at the as part of this. You know, if you want to, if you want to donate to uh, Heroes to Hives, we'll make sure there's a link there. So check those show notes, guys. I, I want to thank you for coming on Homebrewing DIY. It's always a pleasure to have you. Uh, now, John's second time, and Lee, your third time. So thank you so much. It's, it's always a pleasure to talk about these open source projects because, in all reality. It, at, at my roots, this is where I started podcasting. And this show has grown over the last couple of years. And, and now I'm like, if you're listening to this, you probably don't know this. I'm actually in the top 2% of all podcasts globally. I had no idea. I found that out this week. So congratulations. But it is one of the, it is one of those things where it's like, it all started with ha- talking about these open source projects and how, and to me, Open source projects are the last thing that are really, truly hippie we have in the world, right? Only in open source do we actually go, hey, let's go to a community. Let's all just do the work together and oh, we're going to give it away for free. But the benefits of open source are so big. Things like having code that everybody can see if it's secure. The ability to go in and actually have a project that you know is it's used and tried, it's tested. And at some level, if there's a problem that you find it's easy to go fix because you can just go fix it yourself and, and put it as a branch and, and it gets accepted and boom, it becomes part of the main branch. So to me, it is something where open source software is just a, such a cool workflow and really just a, a game changer when it comes to software. And it's weird that that actually exists in reality. Absolutely. Thank you. I want to thank John and Lee for taking the time to come on the show. As always, it's great to talk to such amazing guests. I think we have great guests here on Homebrewing DIY. I'd like to also thank all of our patrons over at Patreon. It's because of you that this show can come to you week after week. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash homebrewing DIY. Give it any amount. Giving money to this show helps us stay on the air and helps keep us motivated to make this show. So if you are a Patreon supporter, we thank you. Thank you. Thank you very, 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 very much. It's an amazing thing that you do for us. Patreon.com forward slash homebrewing DIY. You can also find us on social media, all one word, at homebrewing DIY. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Hit me, a D- hit me up with a DM. I'm cool with it. And last but not least, I want to thank you, the listener. Without you, this show also couldn't be here. So keep listening and downloading the show. Well, that's it for this week. We'll talk to you next week on Homebrewing DIY.